Praise God. Who's excited to be in church tonight? Come on, who came to meet with Jesus tonight? Is that not the point? How awesome is it? And I really believe and stand by this, and that is that when we are intentional about intimacy, Jesus promises to be present. When we are intentional about intimacy, Jesus promises to be present. And if there's one thing that's true, you have come into a place where Jesus is present tonight. You have walked into the house of God. You know, that's why we call it the house of God, because God's here. And I can't wait tonight to preach. I can't but wait tonight to share with you. For those that don't know me, I uh, appreciate the introduction from Pastor Scott. But my father and I were co-pastoring a church out west called Ignite Church. Any Westies in the house? Come on, all right, all right. We're doing that for a couple of years. And before that, was preaching for a couple of years. Led a church out in Manukau in the 267. So a uh, big shout out to Southside. If anyone from the Southside's here tonight, love the Southside. And we were blessed to be there. But the last six months, we transitioned. Uh, my parents felt called to go back to Australia. And I had begun building great relationship with the Equippers family. And we decided to merge Ignite Church with Equippers around November and uh, have been coming ever since. And what a wonderful house you're a part of. What a wonderful house. We're so grateful. Can, is anyone grateful for Pastor Sam and Kathy and just <laughs> Pastor Bruce and Helen and just the whole leadership team? Honestly, it, it's, I'm so humbled to be here tonight because everyone's been so welcoming and so warm. And uh, my family, you may remember my, my father shared his story just a couple of months ago on a Sunday night. He was the crazy guy that was, his dad was murdered, he was doing drugs and addicted all over the place, committed an armed robbery, did years in prison. And when he got out of prison, he uh, moved in with a girl that used to go to church and her mum began to witness to him and tell him about Jesus. And uh, in that state, in, at his absolute worst, 19 years old, a young man with criminal records and covered in tats and marijuana plants all down his arms, and it was just wild. And then all of a sudden, encountered Jesus and set free from addiction, set free from bondage, radically rescued by Jesus, and his life was never the same. 37 years the last 37 years has been a journey of him traveling all over the world, starting churches, and obviously that was my upbringing. So uh, Pastor Scott mentioned in church that his parents really loved Jesus. My parents really loved Jesus. And uh, I know that feeling of growing up in church and just being... Con From the day I was born, I was in church three times a week. I was passing out the buckets at four years old, waving the signs. So this is a call for any church kids in the house. Anyone that's been around a while, you've done pretty much every role in church. We appreciate you. We love you. Come on, can we give them a hand? They're still here, still serving, still love Jesus. But I'm looking forward to the word tonight. How many know life is spiritual? Come on, how many realize that life is spiritual? Yes, life is practical. Absolutely, we live in the here and now. We are practical people. But life is spiritual. There is another word. In fact, I like to say it like this. We're not simply human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Because the truth is we're made in God's image, right? We're made in God's image, which means we are spiritual people. In fact, if you want to take that even deeper, we are created for eternity. You will live forever. That's Bible. That's not George Lucas. That's not the movies. We will live forever somewhere. We are spiritual people, and because we're made in the image of God, that means that these two worlds coexist within us, the spirit and the flesh. 
That is the truth of our walk with Jesus and the truth of the atmosphere tonight. And can I tell you right now that God is present even when you don't realize that God is above all, God sees all, God is working, and we sing those songs, and we proclaim those truths. But can I tell you something tonight? More than you realize God is in the house tonight. God sees where you're at. God knows what you're going through, and God wants to meet with you. Personally, individually, God wants to meet with you. In ancient Greek culture, many of us see the stories, and we see maybe the movies. The Greeks were incredibly spiritual people. They had a God for everything. They were misguided, but they understood the spiritual. They had a God for war, a God for love, a God for famine, a God for prosperity. They had gods for everything. And we've made movies about these guys, Poseidon and Zeus and Apollos and Aphrodite. And these were all Greek gods. And the Greeks understood something about life, and that is that life was spiritual. And sometimes they probably did a better job of realizing how spiritual life was than we sometimes can be as Christians. Because if we're honest, we can oftentimes live out this experience fixated on the flesh and our earthly experience and we forget to pursue heaven's perspective. Come on, ever been in that place where it's like you're living day to day and you've forgotten that life is spiritual? That God is moving in unseen ways and we almost get to the point where our solution to every problem is practical, not spiritual. Where our response to every need is practical, not spiritual. And sometimes we get so used to the earthly experience that we see right here and right now and right in front of us that we forget to pursue heaven's perspective. And I want to let you know tonight that heaven is engaged in your life. That God is above all and he sees all. And the Greeks, they understood this. And what was crazy about Greek culture is before Netflix, before movies, before Netflix and chill and binge series, there was theater. Live drama. Anyone ever been to the musicals or the live theaters that have come through? I mean, theater is an awesome thing, right? You've got all these people crowded into an auditorium and they're all watching someone live. And how many know that in a movie you can fluff your lines and refilm? There you don't get a second chance. You are live. You're just like I'm live tonight. I say the wrong thing, they cut the video. You know what I'm saying? They were live and theater was like that and it was the most popular thing of the day is to go on the weekend and watch the theater and these things would pack out in the thousands. And if you can imagine arena maybe like the Mercury Theater but so much bigger and you had two stages, this is what was fascinating, is while the drama was being played out, you had this base stage similar to where I am now and this was the storyline, this was the live drama and this was the human experience. And on this stage, humans were living out the story that the drama was about. But what the Greeks did, which was really interesting, is they had a second stage. And it was like a mezzanine and a higher stage. And on that stage, while the humans were interacting and acting out their story, on the second stage, the mezzanine, the gods were acting out theirs. And they would be fighting and going at one another. And there was things happening in the heavenlies and in the spiritual. And what was crazy is that whatever was happening down here on earth was directly affecting what was happening up on the spiritual. But anything that was happening in the spiritual was directly affecting what was happening down on here on earth. And can I say that is a picture of our lives with Jesus. We are living on two stages. On one hand, we're living in the practical the physical, the everyday experience. But on the other hand, there's the spiritual world going on behind the scenes, the things you don't see, the things you're unaware of. But can I tell you, they're real. 
And I'm not here to preach angels and demons and go real deep tonight, but I am here to open our eyes because how many know sometimes we can live our life completely fixated here and forget heaven's perspective? And I hope tonight that you would walk away. If anything you get away from tonight is that you wouldn't just open your eyes to see what's in front of you, but that your eyes would be open to see maybe a little more of what's above you. Because God's good. Can you say amen? In our text, Daniel 10, which we're going to read tonight, you see these two worlds so beautifully intertwined. And it's like the most incredible story. And many know the story. But what is profound is you get to see the physical interacting with the spiritual. And I want to take you to this story. Here's Daniel. Man, he's fasting. Anyone done the Daniel 21-day Daniel fast? Come on, anyone here? All right. Can I just say that that probably wasn't a 21-day Daniel fast. It could have been 30 days or 40 days. It just happened to be that on the 21st day, that that's when the angel came to Daniel. He probably would have kept going. And it was the 21st day of this fast. Here he is. He's fasting. He's seeking God. He's desperate for a word. He's hungry. Come on, anyone ever fasted for a little while? Some of y'all can't do three days, man, and that's with food. Right, here he is. He's fasting 21 days. Nothing's happening. But can I say, everything was happening. Listen to this text, Daniel chapter 10. You can follow along on the screen, verse 11. The angel finally comes. This is day 21. Says this, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Carefully consider the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, turn to your neighbor and say, since the first day. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But, and here's the big but, here's where we go all sci-fi, George Lucas, modern day movies. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now, who's speaking here? The angel's speaking. So this isn't an earthly king. This isn't an earthly kingdom. We're now talking about the spiritual realm. And the prince of Persia is now actively fighting the angel that's coming to bring the message to Daniel. It says, then Michael, one of the chief princes, Michael the archangel, the all-famous, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. He's talking like this is real life. Dude, I was in a fight. Dude, I wanted to come to you since the first day. I heard you, bro, but I've been fighting. And I'm like, huh? And I began to realize, listen to this. It says, now I've come to explain to you the vision for the people in the future, for the vision concerns a time to come. I began to realize something, that just because you see nothing on the surface doesn't mean that heaven's not fighting for you. Just because you don't see it right now, just because you're here in the present and everything you're praying for, everything you're believing for, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're desperate for God, you're waiting for the breakthrough, you've been waiting a long time. Some have been a lot longer than 21 days, but can I promise you tonight, can I stir up some faith in the room tonight and let you know that no matter what you're going through, heaven is fighting for you. Heaven is fighting. I love that. There's a name for my message tonight, now that we're on this theme of timing. What a wonderful series this is on timing. My message tonight is called At the Same Time. Because so often 
It's at the same time that you're not seeing something that there's a whole lot going on in the spiritual. At the same time, when you feel frustrated, God's moving on your behalf. At the same time that you're wondering when the breakthrough's coming, heaven's fighting for you. At the same time, you just don't see it because life's being played out in two stages. The physical and the spiritual. Another great story illustrating this truth is the story of Elisha and his servant. And many of you would know the story, but... Basically, what had happened was the king of Aram, which was a group of nations, which is like modern-day Syria, Turkey, Lebanon, had decided to attack the people of Israel. How many know attacking God's people is never a good idea? But here they are anyway. They're stupid. They haven't learned from the thousands of guys that have tried to do it in the past. And they think, we're going to do this. And what was interesting was every time they tried to attack Israel, Israel already knew they were coming. And it was getting really frustrating because every time they went to attack, Israel had already set up defense. And they realized it was because someone got wind. It was because Elisha, the man of God, had been getting the inside scoop from God and telling the king of Israel where they were about to be attacked. And every time they came, they were frustrated because they already knew because Elisha was getting the inside scoop. And so what happens is they realize we can't defeat Israel like this. So what did they do? They went after the man of God. Said, if we get rid of him, we can take the city. And isn't that interesting? This is a side note, but isn't it interesting that when the devil can't get the church, he goes for leadership? I mean, you see it playing out right in front of us. It's the devil goes for leadership. Why? Because if he can distract, if he can dismiss, if he can hurt leadership, then he can get into the church. But can I tell you something? Pray for your leaders. Believe for your leaders. Lift them up in prayer. Fast for your leaders. But here's this story. It's fascinating. Elisha and his servant, they're in this situation. And one morning, the servant wakes up and he steps outside. And all hell's broken loose because the enemy's on the doorstep. And he walks outside and he is surrounded by the enemy. Here they are. They found them. They've caught them. They're here. And you can imagine the terror on this young man's face. It's just walking out and going, oh my goodness, we're dead. Oh my goodness, it's over. They're here. Do you know back then they didn't kind of shadow box and play fight for fun. They just killed you. It wasn't like they went to jail for murder. They just kind of did it and then it was move on with life. And so here it is. They're in this situation and he realizes it's pretty much over now. And he turns and runs to Elisha. And let's follow with the text, 2 Kings 6.15. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Now that bit always struck me because it was actually the servant that saw in the first place. It was a servant that saw the enemy. It was a servant that was letting him know what he could see. So when he says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see, what's he talking about? He was saying, open his eyes that he may see the spiritual. See heaven's perspective. 
see something different than what's right in front of him. He says, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. And as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike them with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. What a powerful text. What a powerful insight that what you might see in front of you now is actually nothing like reality. Come on, as believers, as spiritual people, God help us if we ever lose sight of the spiritual. God help us if we stop asking for heaven's perspective, saying, God, I want to see like you see. I want to think like you think. I want to believe like you do. How do you get there? Because you lean in and go, God, open my eyes that I may see. Isn't it interesting? That's where we get the refrain. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Some of y'all sing the songs. That's where the theology comes from. Even when I don't see it, you're working. It's all rooted in the word of God in scripture. Why? Because life is spiritual. How many know we walk by faith, not by sight? Isn't that true? And we love that. I walk by faith. We all sing the song, right? And that's old school song for those that grew up in church like me and sang in the 90s because your mom really loved Jesus. Right? We all know their song, but how true it is. We walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, I'm not living and walking based on what I see. I'm living and walking based on what God says. And that means if he said it, I believe it. Can I say, if God gave you a promise, believe it even if you don't see it right now. I say, if God gave you a word, believe it, even if you don't see it right now. If God told you something's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. If you've been praying for that backslidden son to come home, they're gonna come home. You keep believing, you keep praying. Why? Because heaven's fighting for you. You're praying for that family member. You're praying for that breakthrough in your ministry, praying for that breakthrough in your home life, praying for things at home and on the surface. It looks barren. It looks dry. It looks like nothing's happening. It looks like there is no answer. Can I remind you, heaven is fighting for you. Life is being played out on two stages, and we walk, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, by faith and not by sight. You know, here's the thing about faith. We don't have circumstantial faith. We have sovereign faith. Circumstantial faith is that when everything is looking good with my circumstances, then I choose to believe God. Isn't it funny that we do that? When everything's good, I got faith for the future. I believe in Jesus when things are going well. When I just got the new job, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm like, God, you're all in. I give you everything, Lord. You're, you're so excited. That's circumstantial faith. What happens when things turn bad? At that moment, will we still choose? God, you're so good, I give you everything. Like, I don't really have anything to give, but I give it to you. What about that moment when things aren't going well, when your ministry isn't breaking through? In fact, it feels like it's going backwards. Are you still willing to choose to believe that God will continue to do what he promised you he would do? How do we do that? We live by faith and not by sight. I love what Pastor Scott said this morning. Trusting God's timing is actually trusting God's leading. Isn't that so true? Isn't that just faith? Trusting God's timing is actually trusting God's leading. In other words, I surrender and I let you. You know, I hate and love that saying, let go and let God. One, because everyone's fridge has it. And that drives me mental. 
But I've worked out over the last couple of years that, you know what, that's some good theology. And as soon as I started to realize how deep that actually is, how hard is it to let go and let God? I'm telling you, it's not easy. Why? Because in my head, I can control the situation. I'm going to try and control the outcome. I've got a solution. I'm a solutions kind of guy. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to work a plan. I'm going to kind of tell them the gospel really kindly. And this guy, I'm going to rebuke him and let him know about hell. And then this person, I'm going to go, oh, we've got a strategy for everything. How much harder is it to go, God, I've prayed, I've witnessed, and I leave it to you. I let go, and I let God. And here's the issue. Time issues are faith issues. Time issues are faith issues. I love this series on timing because the fact is, is that, yes, we're praying for things ahead of time. We're believing for the future. We're perhaps anxious that things aren't happening quick enough. But can I just say, at the same time, if you're going to live in the timing of God, you're going to need the peace of God. If you're going to live in the tension of timing With God, you're going to need the peace of God. Can I just say that peace is a byproduct of faith? What do I mean by that? Peace is a byproduct of faith. In other words, like brother and sister, they hang out together. They're always together. The best friends. You know why? Because when I have faith that God is who He says He is, will do what He says He will do, and will come good on every promise He's ever made, i got peace that the outcome's controlled. But when I truly don't believe that God will do what he promised, that's when I'm anxious. You know, we live in a world that's it's basically a pandemic of anxiety and depression and worry and fear. And I, at any cost, do not want to minimize that. Can I say so much of that is rooted in time? Depression, they say, is the inability to construct a future. And what it basically is saying is, I am so down with what is happening in front of me now, in this moment, in this time. I can't see any hope for the future. I don't see a way out. I can't see how anything can change. At this moment now, in this time, in this space, I'm giving up. I'm over it. You're rooted in time. Because you can't see forward. You can't construct a future. Anxiety is different. You're anxious about a time to come. What will they think when I get there? How will they receive me when I'm preaching in Equippers at the 5.30? What will they, like, you're anxious? Right? And we live with anxiety on the daily to some degree, some others worse. But can I say, so much of it comes down to a faith and a trust in God and timing. Because the minute that you reconcile that God is in control of everything and we have a sovereign faith, in other words, we believe in the sovereignty of God, that He is above all, controlling everything, pulling the strings, working all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. That's when we understand peace. Because it takes the pressure off you and releases it to God. And I want to encourage someone that you can trust God in the gap between now and what you're believing for. You can trust God in the gap between now and what you're believing for. You can, you can trust his nature. How many know God's not a liar? God speaks. He is truth. He is peace. He is love. He is. Therefore, you can trust. Can you say amen? Philippians 4, 6, 7 was probably a verse that 
I said before in the last service, it's just a verse I just didn't like because it sounded positive, but I just didn't think it was realistic. Anyone ever read something in the Bible and thought, that's not very realistic? <laughs> just start in Genesis. I'll give you a couple. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says this, be anxious for nothing. He lost me there. I was like, really? Are you crazy, man? Do you realize what I'm going through? Be anxious for nothing. It's just not fair. You don't understand what I'm going through. But then he goes on and says this, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then listen, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding. What's he talking about? Not that you don't understand what your situation is. Not that you don't understand the ramifications of what's happening in your life and the outcomes of what you're going through. Not that you're, he's not insulting your intelligence. He's saying the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What he's really dealing to there is the way you see the world based on heaven's perspective. That right now, yes, you're frustrated. Right now, yes, I'm going through this. Therefore, I have no peace. But when you leave it with God and you pray and leave it at the altar, can I tell you, you can walk up and the peace fills you. Why? Because you understand it's heaven's perspective. And heaven is fighting for you. Isn't that encouraging? You can trust God. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. I always used to read that so negatively. Better trust God, bro. Otherwise, he's unhappy. It's disappointing. You didn't trust him? I used to read that verse in such a negative context. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Then I realized, hang on a second. What he's really saying is with faith, it is entirely possible to please him. I'm going to live with faith. Why? Because I want the pleasure of God. Anyone want to please God with their lives? Anyone want the pleasure of God resting in your spirit? Can I tell you how to do that? Trust God with what you've got and go to him in prayer and leave it on his altar and say, God, I, I don't know. You'd make, you, you make sense of it. And in that moment, the peace of God which surpasses, in other words, a perspective that's not your own comes. And you see how heaven sees. And you feel the pleasure of God when you trust him. Can you say amen? So five keys from our text to living with faith in this tension of timing. Number one, you are heard. Studies have shown that if there's two core things that people want to feel in life, it's to be known and to be heard. Can I just say this? You are heard. Think about our text with Daniel. It says in verse 12, since the first day, your words were what? They were heard. And I have come, this is heaven, I have come in response to your words. In other words, you can be confident right now that the prayers that you've prayed and the words that you've spoken and the faith that you've de declared over situations, they were heard. I need to know that. I need to feel like heaven hears me, right? We believe in the power of prayer. And can I say that just like this angel began the fight for Daniel, Daniel's in this moment and it's just, it's tough, man. He's got no vision, no revelation, no breakthrough. He's praying, 
They came day 21, but he was hurt on day one. I say, just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean he's not working. Heaven's fighting for you. I am heard. Secondly, heaven is fighting for you. I love that prayer that Elisha prayed. Open your eyes. Open his eyes, Lord, so he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. He couldn't see it in the natural. But as soon as his eyes were opened to the spiritual, oh my gosh, those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Can I say you're not outnumbered tonight? We go before a cloud of witnesses. Those that have run this race. They're up there cheering you on. Come, Go on, just one more time. Pray one more time. Go one more time. Serve one more time. Get out of bed and go to church one more time. Fast one more time. Yo, some of y'all need to fast. I'm talking to myself, guys. It's chill. Heaven will fight for you. Thirdly, vision will come when you remain steadfast. The angel says to Daniel in verse 14, Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. In other words, the vision, the breakthrough, it's the result of faithfulness and steadfastness. That when you choose, you know what, I'm not giving up. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. You can throw whatever you can at me, devil. You can come at me with anything you want to. I have made up my mind in advance that at the same time, no matter what's going on around, I trust Jesus. And for the rest of my life, I will serve you. I will trust you. I will praise you. I will believe you. And I stand in hope. Why? Because life has played out on two stages. Fourthly, Prayer works. Turn to your neighbor and say, prayer works. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He says, I never pray for more than five minutes. I like that. Because I sometimes found prayer really hard. Because for me, it was like this really religious experience. Dearest Father. Yeah, come on, anyone been to some of the... Amen. It's so solemn. It's so deep. I say, prayer is conversation. It's relationship. And he says this, he says, I never pray for more than five minutes. But then he says, but I never go five minutes without praying. I love that. Because that means that really what prayer is, it's you on your way to work going, God, help me be an influence today. God, help me in this season to be a light, to be salt. God, I need your help today. God, I'm not feeling good. God, I feel like I'm about to quit. God, I feel like I'm about to blow it. God, I'm at the end of myself. I need heaven's intervention. I need heaven's resource to come and fill my situation. That's all the prayer is. It's honesty, humility, and conversation. Do me a favor tomorrow. Don't pray for more than five minutes. But don't go five minutes without praying. Keep believing. Keep praying. Prayer works. Fifth, number five. Faith is trusting God, not just with the future, but that He is working now. See, faith always feels futuristic. And so many times we preach on faith like that. 
Have faith for the future. Have faith for what's to come. When you pray, good things are going to happen in the future. Can I tell you right now, faith isn't just believing for the future. Faith is believing that God is working now. Right now, while you sit here, He's working now. Some of you have been praying for breakthrough. He's working now. Even when I don't see it, God, you're working. I love that song. Sing that all day. Because I'll be real with you, I just had a hell of a year. And at the end of that year, I'm like, really? Where? Why? What? But you know one thing I made up my mind? I made up my mind that as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. And I'm going to come to church every week. I'm going to serve every week. I'm just going to show up when I feel down. I'm going to surround myself with spiritual people. I'm going to get the encouragement of heaven in my life. Can I tell you what breakthrough suddenly comes? Oh, as did the chord change. Breakthrough comes. You see light again. Heaven opens. There was a six-month period there. I felt like I didn't hear from God at all. I'll just be real with you. You're the preacher. You should hear from God. I didn't for six months at all. The only thing and the only time I ever felt heaven come down was in worship. I thank God for worship. I mean, anyone grateful for the worship team and grateful for what, what God does through song? And But then all of a sudden, in fact, I'm just going to share a testimony because it's the 5.30. I was sitting up there near the guy at the back there with the beige beanie and the gray t-shirt. I was sitting right there, right next to you, brother. This was probably last September. And I remember I was just sitting there. We were new to equippers. I was going through a really hard time and I was just wondering, God, I don't see the promise anymore. I don't know if I can ever do this again. I don't know if you'll ever use me again. Felt like I was looking at failure and defeat. I just didn't get it. And I remember they got up and they sang that song, Altars. And um, get emotional talking about it. There's a line in that song as they begin to sing, and suddenly the bridge comes in or the chorus and the girl just went, God, you're so good. And then said it again, God, you're so good. And I remember at that moment, something in my spirit broke. And for the first time in a year, I cried. I just broke down. I reckon I play that song in the car at least twice a day. So whoever sang that song, your voice has kind of been in my car for like six months straight. I appreciate you. I love your voice. But that song. And I'm telling you what, can I say something? It was through that moment that God just broke something in my heart. And all of a sudden, I heard heaven again. It's never been the same since. That's what a church service can do. So if you're thinking about leaving tonight, God gave me the memo. Don't do it. Just come next week. Cry in the worship. Faith is trusting God, not just with the future, but that He's working now.